Well, it is so good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning, and it's so good to see each and every one of you. I am just so excited uh, that uh, God has given me the grace to be able to come and to share what he has been putting on my heart. And, uh, and I am just so excited about the prospects for our church. Uh, within the next, uh, probably within the next couple of weeks, you're going to be hearing me talk uh, about a campaign. And, uh, and, you know, the Lord just, you know, he dropped it in my spirit, but I haven't quite gotten the name for it yet. But it's going to be having to do with uh, evangelism. Uh, that, you know, I believe that, you remember the story of the uh, children of Israel, how God said that he had given them the land, but they had to go and take possession. And so what God has been speaking in my spirit is that we need to go and take possession and then bring somebody with us to church. And we're going to do a huge campaign coming up here very, very shortly. And all you'll be hearing about it. It's going to be massive. And we're going to see God do some great and wonderful things at our church. How many of you love your church? Bring them folk with you. You know, your pastor, he studied hard and he preached hard and he's believing God. So the best thing you can do for your pastor is bring somebody here to hear the word. I'll make sure that I cook, cook up a good dinner for him. But you guys got to bring him. Is that good? Can we say amen to that? Well, are you ready to receive? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that your word is true. I'm excited, Lord, about what you're doing in our church. I'm excited about the people uh, Lord God, that are here and the ones that are to come, even the ones that are not here this morning for whatever reason. God, I am just delighted to know that you are working in our lives still, even at this moment, and that you still will get the glory. And so then, Lord, I just empty myself right now. Lord, let your Holy Spirit just touch every heart that we will hear something this morning that would revolutionize, change our lives in a way that we never, ever thought, Lord, I don't want this to be ordinary. I just want you to talk to the hearts of your people this morning. And Lord, I'll be careful to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to be talking about the great takeover. And we have some married couples in here, and I have a question for you. How many of you just love the way that your spouse drives? <laughs> My wife, and I told her before I even came this morning, I said, honey, I want to be talking about you in the sermon tomorrow, so I hope you will forgive me, but I'll be having a couple of words to say about you. But um, and I said, I will try not to be too damaging. Mostly, it's going to be an indictment on myself. Well, whenever my wife drives, you know, I, a lot of sometimes I'm, you know, driving down the road and I get a little tired, and, and I'll, on occasion, I'll ask my wife to drive. Now, you know, my other job is a, is a policeman. So policemen are type A personality people, generally speaking. They, are, they're, they like to be in control. You know, even when I'm riding with another cop, I do not like to ride in the passenger seat. I don't like to ride in the back seat. I only feel good when I am what? Driving the car. That's the only time I feel good. And so my dear wife, we have had some wonderful, I like to call spirited discussions about driving. Uh, you know, she'll get in the car and I'll say, honey, will you mind doing me a favor and would you mind driving for me because I'm a little tired. So she'll get in the wheel, she'll start driving. 
And, uh, and immediately, it's almost instantly, and I call myself going to sit over here and go to sleep, right, and take a nap, because I'm supposed to be resting. First thing I said to my wife, well, why are you following a car so close? Um, why is it that you are going so slow? Uh, did you not see that person before you made that turn? I mean, what's wrong with you? I mean, what are you doing? Why did you go that way? Had you had gone this way, then we would have gotten there by now. Why? What are you doing? And, you know, and, and it get to a point that after a while, my dear wife would say to me, well, you know, she'd get frustrated. and She'd say, well, if you don't like, and I'm, I'm being nice about this one. I'm dressing it up. I want you to know that. I'm going to dress it up a little bit. But she'll say in, a, in somewhat of a, in a way, that, uh, if you don't like my driving, then you can drive yourself. And on occasion, every now and then, my kids will tell my wife, she'll pull over. She'll pull the car over and say, hey, you go drive. And I say, good, thank you. I'll take the thing and I'll drive. You know, and I drive mad the whole time. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, I'm sitting here tired and she couldn't even drive five minutes. Forgotten all about the fact that I harassed her the whole way. <laughs> the whole way, I just harassed her and harassed her. Well, it's the same way that we are with God, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know I was going somewhere with this, right? Jesus, Jesus, save me, Lord. Come into my life. Make me Lord and Savior. Lord, and, and, and we love to say this as Christians. Lord, have your way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Right? We love that. Lord, take, Lord, you are the head of my life. You're in control of my life. And so Jesus says, okay, now then I'm going to assume I'm going to drive the car. And when Jesus started driving us in directions and places that we don't necessarily like, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We become that backseat driver. Jesus, what are you doing? I, I, I don't think we should go that way. In fact, look, why don't we just we need to negotiate this because, you know, uh, uh, you know, wait a minute. I don't know if I want to go that way. And we forget all about the fact that we had already wrecked our lives in the first place. Right. I mean, that's why we came to Jesus. Right. We came to Jesus because we realized that we were in the driver's seat of our lives and we totally messed the thing up. I can remember when I came to God, I was a wreck. I was a mess. I had ran into the disc six times. I had hit trees. My car was all dinged up. I'm talking about my life. It was all dinged up. My life was just a complete mess. And I said, Lord, take control. Then why is it that when Jesus take control, he get behind the wheel, he start driving. We start wanting to debate, Jesus, why are you going that way? Jesus, why do you? What, do you really want me to forgive that person after what they did to me? I mean, God, do you really want me to give that amount? I mean, come on, God. I mean, do you really want me to do that? I mean, God, do you really expect me to love this person after what they come on? This guy. No, no, no. This got to be a mistake. I, I, I you know, I, I like it. So here's what we do. Here's what we tell Jesus. I, I tell you what, Jesus, do me a favor and uh you sit over in the passenger seat for a little while and then let me drive. And then when I get in a situation that I can't quite navigate my way, then I tap on your shoulder and I tell you, come back and drive. And so then Jesus becomes somewhat of a smorgasbord. We just kind of we, we, we call him to us and we pick and choose him when we want him. OK, I like him now. I don't like him now. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, I don't want to do this now. 
And one of the things we got to realize is that Jesus did not come into your life to be a part of your life. You ever hear the people say, oh, I want to make Jesus a part of my life. That sounds like a noble thing, right? I mean, it's good that you come to that place that I want to make him a part of my life. But I got news for you. Jesus didn't come to be a part of your life. Jesus came to take over your life. He came to say, you get in this passenger seat. You don't say nothing about my driving. You let me drive this thing the way I want to drive it. You just sit there and you listen. You can talk. You can praise me. You can do all of that. But don't try to interfere in the direction that I want to take you. He's come to take over your life. Look at Joshua chapter number five. I meant to read this in the beginning, but I got excited. Joshua chapter number five. Y'all still with me? Here, Joshua, he's about to to take the children of Israel into the land of promise. God is blessing. The atmosphere is being set. People are getting excited about what God is going to do. I mean, the armies of God, they've come together. They've already won a couple of skirmishes here and there. And now they are about to take possession of what God has for them. And look what it says in Joshua chapter number five, starting in verse number 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man stood opposite with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no, but. As commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped, glory to God, and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Talking about the great takeover. Here, Joshua wants to debate with this image, and we call it in, I guess, in theological terms, a Christophany, where basically Christ appears in a different form. And Joshua sees him, not really realizing who this angel of the Lord is. He doesn't realize who it is. And so Joshua says, he wants to know, whose side are you on? I mean, I'm about to go into battle here. And what I need to know before I go into this thing, I need to know uh, whose side are you on? Because if you're not on my side, then we're going to have to do away with you. Because, you know, I'm about to go into battle. See, he didn't realize who, who he was talking to. You know, sometimes I think we forget who it is that we're talking to. Let that sink in a little bit. Boy, we, how many know it's easy to get familiar with God? And we begin to take things for granted. You know, one of the things I'm always praying to Lord, let there be a healthy, a, a healthy fear of God just, just that engulfs my soul that I never come to a point that I get so familiar with God that I become casual in my approach. Because when we become casual in our approach to God, we don't communicate to him, right? We don't understand who he is. We sometimes forget that he's in charge of breathing. And at any moment, he can 
He can stop it. Joshua wants, Joshua's wanting to, to negotiate because he didn't realize who it was. And then the angel said, okay, you need to know something. I am the captain of the Lord's army. In other words, what he was saying there is that I'm not on anybody's side. I'm here to take over. Now, how do we know that that's what he was saying? Because soon, as soon as Joshua heard it, what did he do? He fell on his face. He said, oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And the angel said, now, here's what you need. Joshua said, now, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? He said, here's what I want you to do. Take your shoes off. Because where you're standing right now, you're standing on holy ground. See, once you realize who it is you're talking to, when you come into the presence of God, you understand you're in the presence of holiness. You take your shoes off. In other words, you, you, you empty yourself. And he informs Joshua, I'm not here, Joshua, to, to take sides with anybody as the captain of the Lord's army. I am here to take over this thing. I'm here to take over your life. You see, every decision in life, we got to recognize it must be filtered. We talk about God taking over your life. Now, I want you all to hear me deep. This is this is a deep word this morning. You are here this morning because you're deep. Just look at yourself if you can. Cross out and say, I'm deep. You're deep. He just did it. My son just did that. Can you believe that? I'm deep. Because I'm going to take you a little deep this morning. But if you get this thing down in your spirit, it has the capacity to change you forever. The way you look at Christianity. But okay, so if I'm to say that God is the, like, like Joshua, the angel said, the Lord is here to take over. So we understand, first of all, that God is here to what? Take over our life. He's not here to partner with you. God is not here to debate you. You know, every, you know, I'll give an example. Many people make decisions in their life based upon their fleshly appetites or what they perceive would be good for them. We oftentimes, let me take it a step further. We oftentimes will make plans and then we'll take our plans to God and say, God, bless these plans. And then when God don't bless those plans, it's like, God, what's up with you? Then we get upset at God because, you know, God did not move. And, you know, I, 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 this is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. Then, God, why don't you just go ahead and just just give this to me? And it's not that God is saying that I don't want you to have abundant life. He don't want to give us good things. It's that God has already charted your course. So after you, you're to pray. Some people make decisions based on the almighty dollar. Dollar. I want to chase the dollar. So wherever the dollar goes, that's why I will go. What about praying, brother? What about, well do that later. I'm, right now, I'm with, this got to be God. Oh, I like the weather in Hawaii. Hawaii is a nice place, isn't it? So then, I'm just going to move, up, move. I'm going to go to Hawaii. Oh, I, I just like the people. Out there. Everything is just different. So I'm just going to pick up. I'm just going to go because I'm free in the Lord. I'm free. You, you are free. You're free. You are free to do what you want to do. <laughs> Freedom does not mean a license for you to just make decisions on your life and not seek the will of God for your life. 
The Bible says that and James says that we ought to ask the question, if the Lord wills, I will do this or I will do that. In other words, we need to run that thing to God and say, Lord, this is what I'm thinking. See, the Bible says a man's mind plans his way because we're the plan. Right. But God directs what his steps. Now, there are times I give an example. I plan things in this church. And I've had to alter my plans. Because I planned it, but God ultimately had the vetoing power over what I was going to be doing. So then I know automatically that, okay, I'm going to plan this, but you know what? I got to run this thing through God. I got to sit down and talk to God about it. Now, you might, this is why and people say to me, well, Pastor, you're just trying to be legalistic. Nobody need to be reading their Bible every day. Nobody need to be praying every day. Let me tell you something. How do you get intimate with a person? Spending time with them, right? I bet there are things that you know about your dear wife. You know her so well that there are things that you do for her that she don't even have to ask you. You just know, I, I just know Diva wants it this way. My wife, I know when she's ready for coffee. Am I right about it? I know. I just, say, I just go home. I, I don't even ask her. Honey, do you want a cup? I know it's that time, and I know what flavor she like. I know how she like it. You know why? Because I know the woman. I spend time with her. So now, the more you spend time with God, the more you spend time in his presence, then you begin to adopt his mind. You begin to get the mind of Christ, which will then influence your decision making. Because now then, every decision that I make now, I'm not just making out of my own consciousness out of my own will I spend time with God and how do you know brother you hear from God because I, I, I didn't just jump and pray to God because I wanted God to do something for me that's what a lot of people miss it at right when they want God to do something for them really really quick here's what they do drop down on knees and they pray about that thing and say Lord do this but how many know that you can't get the blessing of God you're not going to be able to be effective in where you go and how you move in your decision making process unless you have a relationship don't make, make no mistake about it. You, you and I can't hear from God unless we're like Mary. Jesus said, well, you know, when Mary was it Mary came and sit down at Jesus feet and Martha was complaining. Lord, why is it that she's sitting there when I'm over here cleaning up? Tell Martha, oh, oh, Martha was saying about Mary, tell Mary to get up and help me clean up this house. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you, you got a lot of issues. I'm paraphrasing. He said, you're troubled about many things, many things. But, but see, Mary chose the good part. And you know what? I ain't going to mess with that. Oh, I'm not going to mess with that. Because that is the key to getting into the place where God wants you to be. So, so that we don't just make decisions or make choices just based on because it's a good opportunity. How do we know the devil throws good opportunities in your face all the time? But you, a good opportunity does not mean it is the will of God. You need to first sit back, take some time and say, ask these questions. Lord, how will this impact my ability to expand the kingdom of God where I'm going? Because the Bible says seek first, seek first what? The kingdom, everything else is going to be added. So that's the key. He says, now, seek, seek the kingdom and then I'm going to take care of the rest. And so when I seek the kingdom, then I'm not just making decisions because it's a good opportunity or because because it's more money or because of anything other than, yes, I will look at it. I will I will say, OK, and I'm going to sit and I'm going to pray. So, Lord, will you show me? 
Sometimes we don't even want to ask God, do we? Because sometimes we know before God even, before we even ask, he already said no. But you, you're so determined that I'm going to do this anyway because this is a good opportunity. I can do this. I can do that. This got to be God. And I'm not saying that won't be God. I'm saying, have you asked God about it? And I'm not saying, Lord, uh, show me a sign. Amen. No, I'm talking about some sitting down, talking with God, thinking it through, planning, understanding what it is that God wants you to do. How many know it takes time? Time is something that we don't like in our culture. That's why I say, you know, in the morning we come here for prayer. I say before we do anything, let's pray. And why do I do that? Now, we can just walk right in here on Sunday morning. Everybody just do what they got to do. Because we want to get in the habit of first stopping and getting, making sure that God is involved. Because with the best intention, you can get so busy doing stuff that you begin to worship stuff instead of worshiping God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can worship a habit instead of worshiping God. I can even do my devotional. If I spend time in the morning, if my only goal is to say I did my devotion day and I read and I pray, then that's my reward. So what I've done is I've worked, if, if I haven't really connected with God, then all I did was I worshiped the habit. I did the habit, but did I really get, you know, there have been times in my life when I've done a devotion and then I drive on the road and the Holy Spirit asked me, so what did, what did I say this morning? And I'm like, what was that devotion about? Now, I read the Bible for an hour. I don't have a clue what I just read because I was in a rush. I'm just being honest. I was in a rush. I had so many things that going on. Oh, I'm just running here and there, just running here and there. And I, I, I didn't even know. What I just read about, because all I want, all I knew was I did my devotions instead of saying it's like my wife who says to me, you hear, you know, you mean OJ's OJ's. You have a song. Your 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 body's here with me, but your mind is on the other side of town. You know, my wife, she she's notorious. She knows exactly when my body is there, but my mind is on other, she'll let me know. You're here, but you're not really here. You ain't, you're, you're not connecting with me. You and I are not connecting. You ain't heard a word I say. And then she said, what did I say? And so I, I, I pull out a couple of words I hear here and there, and I'm trying to piecemeal this thing. You didn't get the spirit of what I was saying. You did not get the spirit of, you, 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 you heard me, but you didn't listen. See, many of us, we, See, we, we, we are here, God, but we don't really listen for his heart to see what it is that he really wants. So then we must understand that if God is going to take over your life, then 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 you got to give over full control and you got to filter everything and decision that you make through him. I mean, I'm not talking about like brushing your teeth. You know, God is concerned. I heard people get really crazy. God is concerned about your toothpaste, you know. He gave you a mind, right? He gave you ability to think. He made you in his image. You can think. Use your brain. Christian man or woman, do not lose your brain. Think. Imagine. That's part of God's gift to you. Think. Turn with me to where I want to go. I want to go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 to... You reiterate this point. Are y'all getting something out of this? Mark chapter 14. Man, this is so good. I feel like just patting myself on the shoulder. I'm being blessed. God just talking to me, just talking. 
Now, so in Mark chapter 14, now, Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 36. Before you read that, let me, let me say this. Now, we think of Jesus. There's a couple of things Jesus said that was mind-boggling to me. I wouldn't say mind-boggling, but it was profound. Jesus says, I do nothing unless I see my father do it. He said, I don't do it. He said, I don't do anything unless God, my father, tells me to do it, which means he's in a relationship. Jesus will sometimes, listen, he would get so busy, busy, and, and the crowds was pulling on him everywhere he, that he went. People wanted healing. They wanted something. Everybody was clamoring for something. But, you know, Jesus made sure that he got away. The Bible said that he would get up early in the morning before it was day to go spend time with God. Sometimes he would say, y'all need to just stay here. I'm leaving. I'm checking out. This is too much for me. I got to spend time with the father. Jesus, I don't do nothing. And so Jesus finds himself now. He understands. He understands his mission. He came to the earth to die. He came to the earth to give his life a ransom. He understood that he was to die for the sins of the world, and yet he's at a defining moment where it's about to happen, and he's having a struggle in his flesh. Now, his struggle was not for selfish reasons, because he just didn't want to do it because he was scared to die. No, no. His struggle was, I've been connected with God, and I'm about to assume all the sins of the entire world forever. I'm about to assume all of this. It's all going to fall on my shoulders. And so he's about to be separated from God because the Bible says God cannot even look on sin. That's why when Jesus was stretched out his hands, he said, my God, my God, why has thou what? Forsaken me. Because all the sins of the world was being born on him. Jesus understood what it was that he had to deal with. And so he's, he come to this place here in Mark chapter 14 where he is in anguish. His spirit is aching about what he's about to go through. But look at verse number 32 uh, through verses 32 through 36. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James and John with him and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. I mean, he was I mean, he was in trouble. He was hurting. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little further, fell on his on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. Now, I want you to listen to this. Here's what Jesus said. Verse 35. He went a little bit further and he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, if it were possible, if it were possible, uh, the hour might pass from him. And he look at he look in verse 36, he says, and he said, Abba, which means daddy, relationship, closeness, intimacy, daddy, father, all things are possible for you. Can you imagine your child coming to you and they're about to go through something? This very, very difficult and painful. And they look, Daddy, Mommy, you know, you know, you know, please don't let me have to go through this. Jesus is at this point. Daddy, all things are possible. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus gives us a, a perfect example. He's in the garden and he is struggling in this. And he's struggling with this thing. And he says, Father, if it be possible. I don't want to go through this. 
You know, it's okay to ask God to say, God, you know what? I really don't want to go through this. How many, like, you know, God is asking you to go through something. You're like, God, can you just remove this out of the way? You know, God, you ever think about this? God could remove a lot of things out of your way, couldn't he? But if you never had a problem, how would you know God could ever solve them? It is in the difficulty. No, Jesus said in one place, he said that when the man was blind, no, Lazarus, Lazarus died. He said Lazarus didn't just die. He said this, this, this death was so that the glory of God may be manifested. I'm going to go raise him up because I'm sure some people and some people are back there saying, wait a minute, Jesus. If you really love them and you're supposed to be God, as you say, you and your father are one. How come you didn't show up and keep Lazarus from dying? Why, Lord, do you let me live in this situation that I'm living in? God, why am I in a situation where I got to struggle? God, why am I in this situation? What's up, God? Where are you? God is saying this is not. For your detriment, this is so that the glory of God might be manifest in you. I'm about to do a miracle in your life, but I need you to learn how to put your trust in me. And he goes up for he waits four days until Lazarus is down in that. He's stinky and he's in there. He wait. He makes sure that nobody can try to claim that he, you know, they just kind of shocked him. And he came back. to life. No, no. He made after four days. You're dead. Your heart don't beat for four days. Forget about it. Jesus walks up there and what does he does? He raises him. He says, Lazarus, come up out of there. And boy, and everybody saw that. <gasps> oh, my God. And they went running. Oh, they fell on their faces. God brings your trouble and God lets you go through stuff so that his glory can be manifest in your life. And you say, why am I having to go through these problems? Why do I have to struggle? Why do I have to deal? with? Well, because I'm going to show you. My glory in your life. I want you to go through this because I'm going to show you and everybody else around you the kind of God that you serve. Where you can say, look what God did for me. Boy, I was broke. I couldn't pay my bills, but God made a way for me. I didn't have a job, but God made a way for me. My son, my daughter was sick, but God came through for me. I didn't, I didn't have any place to live. I didn't know where I was going to go, but God came through for me. I did not understand. I mean, my, my, my family is a wreck. I can't get nobody saved. But at some point, God let them go through all that trouble, all that difficulty, and, and, and then the God, he sent forth his anointing and his glory. He raised up dead things so that you can go back and talk about him. Glory to God. God do stuff so you can go back and brag about your daddy. That's what he does. That's why you're going through what you're going through. So instead of sitting there saying, oh, God, why me? Just say, Lord, I thank you. I'm coming up out. This is going to be, boy, I know that I'm, this is going to be beautiful when God brings me out of this thing. It's going to be awesome. So then, where am I? So Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed, Father, take the cup from me. Take it from me. But then here's what, this is a unique thing. He says, but even though he prayed that prayer, because I think it's good to tell God exactly how you feel. Remember who you're talking to. But God can handle you. He knew what you was before he came, before you came, and he ain't surprised about who you are. We sometimes are surprised with ourselves. I ain't never think I'd do that. You get a revelation about yourself. God is not surprised. God knows what we're made of. Jesus says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, have your way. So 
he is in anguish. He don't want to do it, but he acquiesced to the will of God. Jesus was our example. So here's what we're to say. Lord, I don't want to do it. But you know what? If this is what you want me to go through, guess what? I will do this. I don't like the decision that I don't like where you're taking me to. Lord, I never thought that I'd be going on a mission field to Africa. I'm scaring some of y'all now, aren't I? I never thought I'd move to that. That wasn't in my plans. But God, obviously, if this is what you want me to do, and all everything seems to be lining up to this is what you want me to do, then okay, I'll do it. It hurts me. Sometimes God is going to actually do something, and it's going to hurt. It's like, oh, oh, gosh. <sighs> I was talking to this lady the other day in the gym. A same lady that was at our picnic I talked to before, I think you saw. And she's been really, she's a dear heart. And she's, I've been really struggling with this person. Every time I see them, I just get, ugh. Some, she's get this ball in her stomach. And she was just telling me about it. And every time I see her, I ask her, how's it going? Because I gave her some advice on what she should do to rectify. She sees me the other day. She comes running to me. Pastor, 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 pastor. She's at the gym. Pastor, pastor, pastor. Let me, let me tell you. I said, what? She said, you know, the Lord healed me. I, he, I dealt with that situation. I went to her. I blessed her. I did this. I did that. And, you know, and I can remember, and I'm sitting there looking at her with a big smile on my face. But a couple of weeks ago, she was standing there like, I don't know if I can do that. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. I still wish she did. No, I don't know. No, 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 no. But now I'm looking at her. She's like, but then I saw the freedom. You know, when you obey God, there's freedom that comes from your life. There's, there's a sense of confidence because I obeyed God. I didn't like it. It didn't feel good, but I went ahead and did it anyway. This is what Jesus was saying. Jesus said, ain't it good to know that Jesus felt the same way we feel? The Bible says he was touched. He, he's touched with our infirmities. So he struggled too. He had a moment where he's like, I don't want to do this. And God never says, obey me if you want to. <laughs> he just says, do what I tell you to do. You can feel all you want to feel about it. He can kick, scream, and sometimes we have to do that. We have to kick and scream and holler, oh, but I'm going to do it. And then you're blessed all the more when you go ahead and just do it. You read the word of God. He speaks to you. Okay, I know what I got to do now. I'm going to do it. See? Look at Colossians chapter 3. How are we doing on time? Okay, we've got a couple minutes left here. Colossians chapter 3. And this is a, a wonderful scripture. Wow. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul is talking to the Colossians, Colossi church, and he says, If then... You were raised with Christ. Watch this. Seek those things which are where? Okay. Let's, let's, let's everybody see. Seek those things which are where? Above. Where Christ is seated, sit, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things where? And not on things on the where? For you what? Uh-oh. For you what? For you what? For you what? Now, you, now I didn't, this is not Pastor Gary talking. 
For you died. You. Uh-oh. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our what? Life. Appears, you will also appear with him in glory. He says, since then you have been risen with Christ. So watch this. So we understand the qualification is you got to be a Christian. He is only talking to people that are Christians. If means, if you study that word in Greek, if means since. Since you, as a Christian, have been raised with Christ. Watch this now. I want you to watch this. Seek those things which are above. Now, what does that mean? When it says to seek those things that are above, does that mean I just walk around going, no, 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 I'm up in the third heavens and you can't understand me because I'm so spiritual. No, that's not the kind of, you know, there's some people like that. They're so spiritual minded. And not, you ever met people like that? They can't relate. It's like <sighs> so spiritual minded. They're no earth good. I mean, I live on the earth. Talk to me about some things where I can relate to. Hallelujah. Even Jesus said himself, there's some things I can't share with you now. He, he said, I would like to drop some deeper stuff on his, he told his disciples. So I would like to share some deeper stuff with you, but you can't handle it right now. So I'm not even going to say it. Some people just need not to say some stuff. But, so, seeking those things which are above. So here's, here's what I'm doing when I'm seeking those things which are above. When I'm seeking those things which are above, here's what I'm doing. I am constantly seeking and trying to understand what the will of God is for whatever it is I'm doing. So here's what I'm doing. Every day of my life, I'm asking, before I'm making decisions about what I'm going to do, what I'm going to eat, uh, not what I'm going to eat, well, sometimes, because someplace, just, sometimes God tells you not to eat at certain restaurants. You better hear that. Uh, you know, sometimes some stuff will kill you. So, you know. But, but, you know, so in other words, you're seeking those things which are above. So here's what I'm doing. That means that every, every single day I am saying I'm filtering things that I'm going through, decisions I'm making. That is this the will of God? Our whole life should be like this. We should be antenna saying, is this the will of God? This is what I want to do. Is this the will of God? I'm seeking those things which are above. Lord, is, is this of God? I, I know this seems good to me. It feels right. I really, really like it. But is this God talking to me? I need to I'm seeking God. I'm constantly seeking those things which are above. Seeking implies, watch this, work, perseverance, and dedication. The Bible says, ask in Matthew 7, and it will be given you. Seek, and you shall what? Find. Knock, and the door shall be what? Open. In other words, there's some working that I have to do. I'm constantly seeking because it don't come easy sometimes. See, this is where it gets hard. This is where we got to really be honest with each other. That sometimes seeking God is, 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 you don't get an answer from God. God don't work on your time schedule. He just doesn't. And that's the, we, in our generation, man, you can text, you can email, you can get everything quick, fast. God ain't quick. In fact, God is not like Burger King. He's not like McDonald's. You know, Burger King, what, have it your way? You know, no, God ain't, God ain't a have it your way God. No, no, he, he remember, he's what here to do what? Take over. Take over. Oh, glory. Y'all getting this in your, you getting this in your spirit? You getting that thing down? He's here to take over. He's taking over your life. So then, so then when he says to set my mind on things, that means that I am always thinking about the kingdom of God. As a Christian. Now, watch this. Now, some people look at me and say, well, pastor, that's supposed to be for preachers. You know, there are some people that believe that. I mean, seriously, there are people that believe that only preachers are supposed to do all the work, 
The only preachers are supposed to be the ones that read the Bible every day. The only preachers are supposed to be the ones. That, there are Christians that believe that. But as I read the scriptures, the scripture tells me to be an example for you. And it tells, and, and, and he's not talking to preachers here. He's talking to the church. He's talking to Colossians, to the Colossian people. He's writing a letter to the whole, to the church. He said, seek those things which are above. Set your mind. That means that I am constantly thinking about the kingdom. Everything I do. You know, you can tell people that I, that you can tell people that are kingdom minded. People that are kingdom minded, I'll give you an example. People that are kingdom minded, number one, they, they love to go to church. They love fellowshipping with God's people. You can't sit down with them for 10 minutes unless they're going to be talking about God about something. You know, you can't sit down with them long because they're going to be because that's all they think about, because that's who they are. That's they've been they've been born into the kingdom. So that my, if my mind is set on the kingdom, what I'm thinking about, I, I, I plan my whole life, my whole life. And, I, and I, if I if it weren't so, I would tell you my whole life had been fashioned around the kingdom of God. But that's supposed to be the endeavor of every Christian. Because now we're talking about moving into a place of blessing. Now, I'm going to show you here in a moment, because we're going to close this thing now. But I'm going to show you here in a moment how, how to come to a place where you can experience the abundant life. You know, Jesus said that I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. You hear me say that all the time. Then there's a way to get to the abundant life. Abundant life doesn't just drop down on you. There's something that we have to do in order for the abundant life to come. See, salvation is free, but the blessings are conditional. You just can't walk and do what you want to do and say, I'm going to be blessed of God. I'm going to have it. My- no, 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 no. Oh, he'll save you. But if you want the favor, you want the blessing, discipleship costs you something. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some money. It's going to cost you some relationships. It's going to cost you a lot. That's why Jesus says, before you sit down and come into the kingdom, count the cost. A man doesn't go out to build a big structure until he does what? First, count the cost. How many people who say they came to God have really sit down and thought, okay, what does this mean for me? See, I stayed away from church for a long time. i tell you why I stayed away from church for a long time. Because I grew up. And my mama kept me in church, boy. She kept me. I was in church. Y'all hear me joke about it. I was in church all day on Sunday. I used to hate it. Hey, my kids, kids out there watching football, playing, and I'm all I'm in church all day. So I had enough spiritual sense in me to know that I don't play with God. I knew that much. So I wouldn't come to God. I waited till I was about the age of 24, 25 before I got saved. And the reason it took me a while to get there was because I knew that if I'm going to be a Christian, I got to give some stuff up. <laughs> and I was like, and so every time somebody tried to preach to me, you know, the first thing I thought thinking about my life, the fun I was having being me, <laughs> living my own life, making my own decisions, making my own plans, seeking God about what? I mean, I'm just going to be good. Long as I don't bother nobody, I'm good. You know, I believe in God. I know he exists, but don't talk to me about all this submitting. And I ain't trying to give up my life like that. Let me tell you something. I, I believe this. Until a person comes to a place where they at least acknowledge in their mind and understand that I am to give my life to Jesus means that he's to take over. You got to wonder not whether or not you ever got born again. Because born again, in essence, means that I'm dying. I'm dying. 
There are a lot of people that go to church that ain't born again. Now, it's not for me to go out and point who they are. I don't know who they are. But you can tell sometimes by some, I've seen some stuff, it'd be like, wow. You kind of like know what you're dealing with. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. But you know, when you come into this thing, you're dying. I mean, I'm coming to God. I'm saying, Lord, take over my life. It's no longer me no more. I'm dead. He says, he says, think, he says, set your mind on things above. And then he says, for you have died. Okay, he says, for you have died. So here's what he's saying. When, I, when you and I came to God, we said, Lord, I'm ready to die. Kill my old life. Now, there's a dying daily, which means we deny our flesh every day, right? Because, you know, what keeps you from hitting somebody upside the head sometimes? What keeps you from telling somebody off sometimes, right? You got to die daily. Every day you're like, oh, you really want to do this. And your flesh gets riled up, but you, you allow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, don't do that. You say, okay. And, you be, and then you go home and you just break stuff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's probably better to do that than break somebody's nose or something, you know, because we still deal with the flesh. Right. We are still humans. You're still going to struggle. You're still going to have arguments. You're still going to have disagreements. But, you know, I understand. He said, I am dead. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the son of God of him who died for me. I don't live for me anymore. See, I, so I cannot just go around just saying I'm going to do what I want to do. I, I got to tell people. So people ask me stuff and I genuinely say to them, I say, let me pray about it and see what God says about it. I really mean that. I'm not just sitting like saying trying to be because sometimes, you know, we can put our spirituality on. Oh, I <laughs> give an example. Hey, brother. Um, hey, uh, do me a favor. We need help. Can you um, lift that table and bring it back for me? Oh, well, let, brother, let me go pray about that. See what the Lord is saying. Oh, but brother, you know, a uh, uh, sister such and such needs some food. Can you just do me a favor and just go drop some off for her? Oh, I think I had to pray about that. See what the Lord said. What did, what did, the, Lord, what did the Lord say? Go care for people. What's, what's wrong with you? Go care for the poor. Serve one another. What's the issue? What do you got to pray about? <laughs> but you see how people manipulate when they don't want to do something? And I, I've learned that in Christian, we, I call it Christianese. You know, we got all our little Christian slogans when we don't want to do something. Uh, I got it. Let me pray about that. But boy, if it's something we want to do, yeah, I do it. Yeah, I do it. But boy, you asked me to do something I want to do. Oh, oh no. Oh, I got to pray about that, brother. Oh, I got to seek the Lord. I'm not really sure if that's what God's saying to me. He may, be, I don't know. That's how we do. Because we don't want God. What is it? I mean, we, we don't want to do it. And so we throw God out there. You know, we just, and I think we just abuse God. We take and we and we and it's a shame how we do that as Christians. Isn't it a shame? And, it, and we sh- and we should fear God enough not to do that. It's better to just say, "Look, I don't feel like doing it. I'm just going to rebel," than to sit there and say, "I got to go pray about it." When you know what the scripture already said, you don't need to go pray about whether or not to go and have an affair on your spouse because the scripture has what said, "Don't do it." So what do I got to pray about? Nothing to pray about. Just don't do it. <laughs> Oh, well, I need to get up off that. All right, Matthew chapter 16, and then we're going to be done. Matthew 16. So we're seeking those things which are above. Where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. And we're keeping up. So we understand now through the scripture now that, so when you leave here, you're going to be thinking about the things of God. Everything you do, you're going to be filtering it through 
the purpose in the kingdom of God. What, what is it that God has to say about the decision that you're making? In Matthew chapter number 16, Jesus makes it very clear so that nobody can misunderstand it. He says in verse number 24 in uh, Matthew chapter 16, then Jesus said to his disciples, here's what he said. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. There it is. And take up his cross and do what? Follow me. Watch this now. Listen, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Mm. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, you know, Jesus couldn't have put it more poignant. He says, if any man will come after me, you got to deny yourself. Well, Pastor, what did that mean? That mean I can't watch TV. I can't uh, go play sports. I can't. No, that doesn't mean that. What it means is that anything that contradicts the will of God, the clear written word of God in your life, that you do away with it. You deny yourself. I don't feel like seeking the Lord. Well, God didn't ask you what you felt like. I don't feel like getting up and praying. And, I mean, you know, if I live my life based on how I feel, I'd be in some terrible shape. Let me tell you, because I never feel like doing a lot of stuff. I just don't. If you ask me what I feel, if it was up to me, I wouldn't go to work for the rest of the year. If it was up to me, <laughs> I just come to church every, every day. I just be in church. That's what I like to do. And then I get tired of y'all. Then I'll be wanting to do something else. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Y'all know I'm just kidding, right? All right. So if any man, he said, take up your cross. That's a daily thing. Okay, I'm going to take this thing up every day. I'm going to deny myself. I, I know, and deny myself means that I know what God said, and I got to make a choice whether or not I'm going to obey. And whenever you come to a point in where you know what God's word says and you got a decision to make, just say, I'm going to obey God's word. Young people, I don't care what everybody at school tell you. Everybody that's committing fornication and sleeping around and all that stuff, everybody doing it. Okay, everybody can do what they want, but you already know God said for you not to do it. So if you go do what God said not to do, then you're going to reap the benefits of that. That decision. Which is going to be pain, difficulty, and a lack of confidence in your walk with God. And not to mention trouble. Well, one guy said to me, well, what did God think I'm supposed to do? I mean, I got feeling. I was talking to a guy at work the other day. Hopefully he'll hear this sermon because I want to talk about him. But he said uh, he's got a divorce, and he said he got a girlfriend, and he's been having, you know, intimate relationship with him. I said, well, you know, the Bible says that uh, fornicators and adultery, God says he's going to judge them. Uh, I know that, but but I got a theory on that. <laughs> As a brother, first of all, I understand the flesh. The flesh always want what it wants. Ain't gonna ever change. You know, your flesh is always gonna want to do opposite a lot of time of what God say to do. 
just, just get that in your spirit. If you, get, if you understand it real quick, it'll save you a lot of headaches. I know going into this thing that a lot of stuff that this book says is going to be contrary to what I think. But yet it is the key to the abundant life. And he wanted to sit there and try to argue me. And then he said, but you know, but finally he ended up saying, he said, well, he said, okay. He said, I'm going to talk to her. I said, well, brother, God wants you to be blessed. I said, think about the problem you had in your previous divorce, your previous wife. You know, some of that baggage you took into that relationship. Now you're doing it with this woman and you're not married. You're not committed to her. I said, you know, you can't expect the blessing of God. You just can't because God says he's going to judge it. So you got a choice to make. In other words, and he said to me, well, what am I supposed to do? It's been months. This is what he's telling me about his flesh. I said, deny yourself. Did I say it was going to be easy? No. I struggle sometime midnight. Sneaking up in the refrigerator, getting ice cream. No one ain't supposed to have no ice cream. Everybody's asleep. I'm over there. Then come in here talking about I'm trying to lose weight. You know what I'm saying? I just need to deny myself. Deny myself. Take up my cross and follow him. Now, I'm going to leave you with this statement. In other words, true and lasting happiness does not come from taking but from giving, not from finding, but from losing, not from wheeling and dealing, but from denying. You say, Pastor, I want the abundant life. The key, watch this, the key to the abundant life is, listen to this, this is deep, I told you this is deep, is death to yourself. Now, when you die to yourself, now you open the door for God to give you that abundant life. And what does that abundant life include? Happiness, peace, joy. You're healthy in every aspect in your life, in your relationships, financially. You're blessed. You're just blessed, blessed. You're abundant. Why? Because you know what? You decided to do it God's way. In other words, you said, okay, Lord, I, I got I, my, I, first of all, all of us need to have our license revoked. We ain't got no business trying to drive our life anyway. We already screwed it up. Let Jesus drive your life. Let him in the driver's seat and say, Lord, go ahead, take over, take control. I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to let you take me where you want to take me. Now, the road's going to be bumpy sometimes. You're going to hit a couple. How many of you ever hit a pothole when you're driving? It's like, you hate that, don't you? It's like mess your front. I'm always thinking, you know, especially if you got that nice Cadillac, I'd be mad. Pothole, they need to fix this. My taxpayer money. Fix these potholes. But, you know, the road, so the ride sometimes is going to be bumpy. Jesus didn't say it was going to be smooth. Remember he lying in the boat, disciples asleep? Uh, Jesus was asleep. Disciples scared because of water in the boat, water in the boat, water in the boat. Water in the boat. Oh! And Jesus said, and Jesus, they, had to w- they had to wake him up. <laughs> Jesus was, see, that's the kind of peace God wants you to have, that no matter what's going on around you, that you know, people got to tell you all about, oh, that's what, oh, I'm good. I doesn't bother me much. I'm fine. God, God's got this thing. God, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I ain't worried. And Jesus woke up. He said, where's your faith? Peace, be still. <laughs> Did I not tell you that you were going to get over to the other side? Then why are you worried? Why are you sitting over here acting? I told you you were going to get there. What's up with you? Why? Peace, be still. You need to know that when I say something, it's going to happen. Every eye is closed. Every head is bowed.